Why in the world would you want to go to church? You get that from people who can't believe you would want to go to some old building and fall asleep while some guy goes yada, 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 and then afterwards drink bad coffee and eat stale biscuits. It's like, really? You're into that, huh? And I'll tell you why I go to church. I like it because I love sharing in the life of Jesus. And I love it because we get to share that love. And I love getting all my problems solved without yelling, without screaming, and without somebody making me do something I don't want to do. And I love it when people help me and encourage me. So I go to church because it's the best thing on the planet. And you don't get this kind of sharing of life and love anywhere else. Church is sharing in Christ. And that's why we're in Philemon today. The effect of an entire group of people sharing the life and the love of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read the first three verses here. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this letter from Paul is just a single chapter. It's really short. It's a personal letter. And it opens with a normal enough salutation. But it also points to a miraculous sharing in the life of Christ. So, the normal part. Who's writing, to whom, and a blessing. These are the normal things you get in a letter, okay? So, it's Paul dictating this letter. And Timothy is helping him by writing it down for him. It's to Philemon. That's why it's named Philemon. But you notice it's not just to him. It's to Aphia. And we think, well, maybe it's his wife. Daughter? Somebody? Uh, in the New American Standard Translation, it says, our sister. So, you know, somehow there's a relation 
And then it's to our <clears throat> Archippus. He says, our fellow soldier. He's a pastor. And then it's to the whole church. So it's not just to one guy. It's to a whole bunch of people. Now, the time that Paul wrote this is the same time that he wrote his epistle to the church in Colossae. And he's in custody in Rome, waiting for his first trial before the emperor of Rome. The date is about 60 AD. Paul is living in rented quarters by himself with a Roman guard. So he's kind of free to do his thing as long as he takes his Roman soldier buddy who's replaced every four hours with him. So notice how often Paul makes a reference to sharing. We're going to count them up. First, Paul is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Why is he in prison at all? Because he's sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Here's the second one. Timothy, he calls him his brother. Now, he's not his brother. He's a friend. But Paul says he's a brother because they have the same father. Okay, so they're sharing in the life of God. Third, Paul calls Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer. That's a word. It's a combination of two words, together and worker. You're my together worker, if you're going to translate it into German. So that means they share in work. Okay, here's the fourth one. Athia. She shares in Philemon's life and also in this life of Christ. Archippus is a fellow soldier. That means he's in this fight of faith with Paul, sharing. And then six, Paul is sharing this with the whole church. And these people, Athia, Archippus, so in three verses, we have six references to sharing. And I got intrigued, and I went through the rest of this 25-verse epistle. And out of 25 verses, there are 22 references to sharing. Isn't that interesting? I had to throw all of them out because we don't have time to look at them. If you want to go back, look for all the references. This, this little letter here is about sharing life in Christ. All right? That's how I know that's what this is about. It's mentioned 22 times. And Paul acknowledges that Philemon already shares his life in Christ with others. Look at verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, 
that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So look, he says, Philemon loves and trusts in the Lord Jesus. In verse 5, hearing of your love and faith. Now, you know, you always love Jesus because he loved you first. Other than that, nobody loves God. Nobody's looking for God. God has to make the first move. So Philemon is one of these people to whom Jesus came first. And actually, it was Paul that led Philemon to the Lord, who told him about how Jesus loved us and gave up his life to pay for our sins. Now, that's paying the greatest price to solve the greatest problem. Why did Jesus have to die? Because everybody has sinned against God. Everybody has forfeited their lives. And to save us, Jesus paid for all of our sins against God. And the punishment is death. So Jesus gave himself to pay for our sins and transgressions. So Philemon heard that, and he believed it. He said, that's true. Jesus did that for me. He received Jesus as his Savior. He prayed, come into my life and give me your life. And that's what Jesus did. And so Philemon and Jesus began sharing life together. That's what it means to be a Christian. Now, here's Paul thanking God that Philemon is sharing new life with Jesus and sharing his love. And he says, I want your sharing of your faith and love to be effective by you knowing every good thing that's in you because of Jesus. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he's praying that Philemon would know this, be aware of all the good things that Jesus put in him. And you think, well, okay, what things? These are the things that you can only know by experiencing them, okay? For most of us, we know how you make babies. But for women who have had babies, they have a knowledge that comes from experiencing having a baby. Does everybody get the difference? I can only imagine. 
but my wife has been there. So Philemon's been there. You see, he experienced mercy from God. He actually felt it and experienced the fact that he knew he was a sinner. He knew he deserved punishment, and yet God took away his sins. And he went, wow, I should be dead, and I'm alive. He experienced God's faithfulness, because you know he's not perfect. He blew it, and you know, he expected God to kind of fire him, say, dear Philemon, your performance has not been as we expected. Therefore, we would like you to seek new opportunities elsewhere. But that pink slip never came. God never fired him. And in fact, whenever he confessed his sins, God is faithful to cleanse him from his sins. Never once did God say, Ah, I've had it. You're fired. And Philemon goes, wow, faithfulness. How about God's love, God's truth? And Philemon is experiencing everything you need to have a fabulous relationship with God. He's experiencing this. You know what Philemon did with that? He shared it with other believers in a couple of really important ways. One is that he accepted believers as they were, just the way Jesus accepted him. Jesus didn't say, you know what? I'll give you 30 days. Clean up your life, and we'll check you out. And then, if you pass the test, I'll put you on probation. And in six months, if you keep your nose clean, then we'll think about you know, a permanent contract. Philemon experienced absolute acceptance right there. And so he accepted people right as they were. Quirky, a little bit weird, a little bit broken, but he accepted them. Philemon also shared Jesus with them practically. And we read about this before. John says, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in truth. We'll know by this that we are of the truth, and we'll assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now, you know, when you actually share material things or your time and effort to help people, that's costly. It always costs to do something 
good for somebody else. It's never convenient. I've never found it that way. So here's Philemon giving of himself, giving money when necessary. And, you know, thinking, this is costly. But then it was costly for Jesus too, wasn't it? And yet Jesus did it. So he says, okay, it's costly. That's the way it is. And I'll help these guys out. So really, he's sharing the things that he learned from God. God accepted me. God helped me. I'll accept others. I'll help others. Now, the result of Jesus sharing, or Philemon sharing Jesus, is refreshment. Look in verse 7. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Refreshed. The word there means rest. It's the rest that you get when you get to take a break from your work. And you sit down and you go, and it allows you to regather your strength. It allows you to drink a bunch of water so you get rehydrated. And really, it's about getting your life together again. And especially in this sense. Because here's Philemon sharing the life of Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. I'm going to do this for you. It's going to give you life. And what that brings is refreshment. And you know, Paul, just hearing about it, is refreshed. So this refreshment kind of goes a long way, doesn't it? But you know, it even refreshes Philemon. Because Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And you've experienced that. When you do something good for somebody else and you get done with it, and you say, well, that was a headache. But it was kind of cool. They were really happy. You start thinking, well, who else can I help? Because it was phenomenal. So here's Philemon, even himself, getting refreshed because it's this life of Jesus. And it's being shared back and forth. And it's fabulous. You know, you get tired, but you're not tired of the work. You get tired in the work. That's kind of a trope that pastors talk about. Are you tired? Yeah, I'm really tired. Well, you want to quit? No, this, this is good, but I mean, I'm beat. Right? So amazing that even as you're giving out, you're receiving. There's more where that came from. So this is amazing. This kind of sharing with Jesus, sharing with people, sharing in the life of Christ. Now, Paul has a problem that he's going to share with Philemon, okay? Sharing. This is what we learned in church today. And so let's share a problem, shall we? Look at verse 8. Therefore... 
Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but is now profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel, but without your consent I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides. Parenthesis. No pressure here. Yes, brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, this is hilarious, isn't it? We got a problem here. And the problem is Philemon's own problem slave. And our 21st century minds say, well, wait a minute. Isn't the problem that Philemon has a slave? Well, at this point in human history, slavery has been a fact of life for maybe 6,000 years. You know what I mean? It's like saying, you have a refrigerator in your house? How could you? What do you mean? Everybody's got a refrigerator. I mean, it's, it's about like that. And it's not the same kind of slavery that we had in the 17 and 1800s. I want everybody to know the difference there. Not degrading, ethnically focused. Because in the Roman Empire, you couldn't tell who was a slave just by looking. Oh, that guy is dressed shabby. He's a slave. No, he's not. He's free. 
oh, that guy's dressed to the nines. Man, he looks good. He must be free. No, he's a slave. What? But his hair is combed. Yeah. (laughs) What planet are you living on? See, slaves could be sewer cleaners and street pavers and janitors. Not a problem. But they could also be tutors of all ages. They could be doctors or nurses. They could be managers of estates or of businesses. And in the public realm, they could be administrators of public funds. They could be executives with decision-making powers. So it's not quite what we think of it right now. The kind of degrading sort of mess. Now, you know, one writer I read says that for foreign people who were not in the Roman Empire, it was a really accepted way to get into the Roman Empire is to become a slave. And then you would be set free by about age 30. It was expected that you weren't going to be a slave your whole life. By that time, you could actually go for Roman citizenship. It was kind of a, this is the great way to go. You you get bought as a slave, and then you can learn a profession, get set up by the age of 30, you're out, you can do your own thing. Okay, so this is not the kind of slavery we have in our minds that was there in the 1700s and the 1800s. That there were laws in the Roman Empire that governed what you could do to a slave. And this is a given, okay? So it's not unusual or outrageous that Philemon was a believer in Jesus and had a slave. At the same time, this whole institution of slavery is going to be transformed by the gospel doing its work. Now, Onesimus had some problem in his life that made him unhappy, and we don't know what it was. But I don't think it was because Philemon was Simon Legree with a whip. And he was brutal and unfeeling toward his slaves because Philemon was a Christian. And if anything, he treated his slaves with even more humanity than he did before. I mean, in some ways, Philemon was making out great. He had a great situation, as far as we know. And we don't know what the issue was, but he had a problem. And he was not a good slave. He was out for himself. He was going to solve his own problems himself. Um, His name means useful. So Paul's making a joke. He was useless to you. But now he's useful, profitable to you and to me. So he was useless. 
And he tried to solve his own problem. He made some bad decisions. Again, we don't know exactly what he did, but Paul talks about repaying anything that Onesimus owns or wronging. So he did something, and we're not sure what. Probably stole some possessions and some money and just ran off like that. And Philemon was sinned against. Now, like all of our own solutions to the problems of life, Onesimus' solution didn't work. It only made his problems worse. Because now, he's not only got his issue, whatever that is, he's also a slave on the run who's liable to be apprehended and punished, and he's a thief. All right? So, is he happy? No. He's just made his life worse for himself. What happens if he turns himself in? What's his master going to do to him? Well, punish him, yell at him, chain him up. Can't do that. Can't have fun. Can't go anywhere. I'm out of dough. What do I do? So somehow, Onesimus makes it to that royal cesspool of the ancient world, Rome. And to further make this hilarious, somehow in Rome, a huge city, he somehow runs into the Apostle Paul who's on house arrest. Now, could anything be more improbable? Can you imagine God steering Onesimus until he comes to the very guy who led his master to Jesus? Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, Amazingly, this guy in custody, in prison, awaiting trial, he solves Onesimus' problem. And it turns out the problem, Onesimus never even knew what the problem was. Because Paul says, you know what? Your problem is you're dead in your sins and your transgressions. And until you work things out with God... You are your own problem, and you carry yourself wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you go. This is going to happen to you over and over and over again. You're dead. You need to get right with God through Jesus. And Onesimus saw that. And he yielded himself to Jesus, and he began sharing that life of Jesus. And, you know, he found my biggest problem is solved by sharing in the life of Jesus. And Paul says, you know what? I see that. I see Jesus in you. And you've been a great help to me. I mean, seriously. This is fabulous, except for one thing. You're the property of another guy. And you've sinned against him. And we got to make this right. 
You can't be right with God and still messed up towards people. We got to make this right. So then Paul asks Philemon something extraordinary, something radical to solve the problem. Let's you and me share Jesus together, shall we, and solve this problem? Now, in verse 13, Paul says, I would love to keep Onesimus here with me. He's really been a help to me. That's what Paul wants. But you know, Onesimus belongs to Philemon, and Paul knows he can't keep Onesimus. It's wrong. And you notice, he says in verse 8, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. You know, Paul has the authority to say, in the name of Jesus, you have a nice slave. He's useful to me. I'm keeping him. Best wishes. Paul, the apostle of God. And Philemon would say, okay, <laughs> what am I going to do? He's the apostle of God. But see, Paul doesn't do that. Isn't that interesting? Because that's the old way of solving a problem. That's the way you do it in the world. The guy that has the most power and the most authority decides to benefit himself. Regardless of how anybody else thinks about it, he goes, I can do this. I'm going to get away with it. Boom, it's done. And see, everybody else is helpless. One guy wins, everybody else loses. And that's not fair to Philemon, because he was wronged by Onesimus. More wrongs won't be fair. And Paul doesn't want to solve this with force by himself for his own benefit. Now, Jesus solved the problem of sin by paying for it himself. He didn't solve the problem with power and authority and say, everybody has sinned against me, everybody will die right now. That benefits me and nobody else. Sweep everybody away. He says, you know what? I'm going to pay for everybody's sins. I'm going to pay God back so there's no more debt, no more anger, no more outrage. And so now that God is paid back, he receives everyone who comes to him in Jesus' name. You're coming in Jesus' name? Come here. I don't care who you are. Because you're made acceptable to me now. This is the way that Jesus solves the problems. And so Paul says, let's share Jesus in this to solve the problem. And you know what he does? He doesn't take the position of Paul the apostle. 
hear now the word of the Lord and you better obey or you know what's going to happen. He says, well, it's just Paul the aged. I'm in prison. You wouldn't kick a guy who's old in prison, would you? I mean, he's just practically coming on like a beggar. Please. The more pitiful, the better it works. Because you say, oh, that poor guy. Ah. Oh. Doesn't your heart go out to him? So here's Paul going, please, sir. Isn't that outrageous? And you know, he sends Onesimus back. Isn't that great? He would rather keep him, but he doesn't want to force a decision out of Philemon. So he lets him go. Philemon can make the decision, and Paul has decided in advance He's good with whatever decision Philemon makes. See, there's no pressure on Philemon to do anything. It's up to however he is so led by Jesus. And Paul wants what Jesus wants. Philemon wants what Jesus wants. That's really the issue here. They're sharing Jesus. And he even says, Receive him as my heart. I'm delivering my heart to you. I'm completely defenseless and open before you. You receive him as if he were me. Now, this is outrageous. You want me to receive this little fugitive scum as if he were the Apostle Paul? What's this guy done? Is he anything like Paul? You want me to receive this twerp like he's the apostle Paul? Yeah, says Paul. Yeah. You know why? Because it's not the value that I put on him or you put on him. It's the value that Jesus puts on him. That's why you want to receive him as if he were me, because it's the same thing. See? So, the only way you can do that is if you believe in Jesus. And if you believe that Jesus loves the whole world, so he gave himself for the whole world, and Jesus loves everybody. And see, Philemon believes this. He believes that Jesus laid down his life for him. So, he can act that way towards Onesimus. I get it, says Philemon. Now, this is the crazy thing. Even if Philemon doesn't send Onesimus back, Paul says, you have a new relationship with him. Because, see, he was your slave before, but now he's your brother. He's more worth to you than he ever was. You both have the same father in heaven now. He's a brother. Now, this is going to destroy slavery. Right here, this attitude. 
And it has to, because you always have to think, okay, that guy is my brother in Christ. Do I really want him to be a slave? You see, it's a no-brainer. Now, no law in the world would make you change your mind. You just say, I don't care about the law. They're not going to find me here. I'm just going to go tell him busted. I'm never going to get busted. My brother-in-law, he's in the government. We're cool. But see, when Jesus is in your heart and you're sharing that life and your love, you're thinking, would I really want to be a slave? Nah. And Paul says, look, I'll make it up to you. Anything he took from you, anything he did to you, I'll make it up. So I'll take all that offense away now. Is this not outrageous? Paul's in Rome, and he's in prison, and he can't go anywhere. But he says, I'm writing this with my own hand. I promise you, I'll pay it all back. Now, how would you like to be Philemon? And say, great, the apostle Paul in prison is going to pay me back. Are you going to stand for that? Would you say, okay, Paul, pay me back, 2300 and that lump of gold, and that painting, produce it. Would you do that? You'd go, nah, don't worry about it. Water under the bridge. We're good here. Paul's just thinking, hey, Jesus paid everything for me. I get it. So I'll pay everything for Onesimus. Philemon says, I'll pay for it. It's all Jesus. Get that? And I love how, how Paul says, by the way, you owe me your own soul. Wink. A wink as loud as a nuclear explosion. See, Philemon gets it. No Paul, no me, no Onesimus. And Paul says, refresh my heart. Refresh my heart. Come on. Because when you refresh my heart, you're going to refresh Onesimus' heart and your own heart and the whole church. This is going to work out great for everybody. Come on. And by the way, make up a room for me. (laughs) Because they're going to let me go out of prison. So I'm going to make it all the way to Colossae, a place I've never been before. But you know what? I'm feeling good today. The Lord is blessing. Let's do something really insane for Jesus. So why don't you fix up a room? Why don't you get Onesimus to fix up the room for me? He's helpful. Now, the big question is, is did Philemon do it? And what did he do? Can you believe that Philemon would read this letter and go, well, on that, forget that. Bring him over here and let's whip him and chain him up and I'm going to yell at him for a while. And another thing. Oh yeah, right in front of the whole church. Yeah, but see, it's a group sport. It's not just about Philemon. It's not just about Onesimus. It's about all of us and Jesus together. What did he do? 
Of course he received him. Of course he forgave him. And I'll bet anybody in this room, 5P, he sent Onesimus back. What a no-brainer. You mean, I'm stuck here, but I can be helping you in Rome? Yeah! Everybody gets refreshed. Now see, this is amazing, is it not? There are no losers, and everybody wins. Now, this is what church is really about. It's about sharing in Christ. And the question is, do you share in Christ? And if you don't know, you need to make sure. Because you've got a huge problem hanging over your head, and you need to get right with God first. If you don't fix that, it doesn't matter how you fix your problems otherwise. But let's say you've received Jesus. And let's say you've made things right with everybody else. Now, you got to share. And we really did learn this in Sunday school today. Sharing. And you got to think in this way. Because God's done some good things for you. Have you experienced them? Have you experienced God's mercy? If you're like me, you've experienced mercy over and over and over again. And every single time, it feels fabulous. I love mercy. That's one of my favorites. Right next to New York cheesecake. But if I had to choose, I'd take the mercy every single time. <laughs> All right? So, have you experienced God's faithfulness? Over and over and over. Has Jesus received you? Has he ever rejected you? Has Jesus helped you? See, all these good things that you've received or all these things that Jesus has shared with you, now you share them with everybody else. And then you know what happens? Refreshment. Refreshment. Everybody gets refreshed, gets to experience rest. And if you want to call it shalom, I'll give it to you. It's the same thing. It's this peace, but it's harmony. It's everything working together. It's like that seventh day when God looked at everything and behold, it was very good. And God says, I'm done. Nothing needs to be added. Everything is here. We've got everything to enjoy. Fullness and peace, it's fabulous. And you know it says in Acts 3, something that is never said anywhere else. It says, this is Peter talking, Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you. 
And you think, great, when do the times of refreshing start? They start right now. Right now, we get to share that life of Jesus. And every time we do, we're all of us refreshed. Even on the hottest day of the year. Now, Paul knew this refreshment. He lived in it. And so did Philemon. So did Onesimus, Archippus, Athea, the entire church knew this refreshment. They lived in it. Do you know this refreshment? Do you want to? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this fabulous sharing. that death of Jesus to the old way of solving problems and the new life of Jesus where we can solve all the problems because you can solve anything. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful you can fix the fact that we don't have the health that we want and that we don't have the money that we want. We don't have the answers that we need. And this problem with this other person, we can't fix. And I had anxieties and fears, but you fix those too. We thank you that you have the ability to refresh us. And we marvel at that. And we pray that each one of us would be abiding in you, sharing in you, and that we could share with one another. Thank you for this fabulous fellowship. And Lord, if there's anything that's interrupting that, stopping that, we pray you'd solve the problem. Lord, you can fix anything. So here we are. Work in us and be visible in us. Be glorified. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.